0: If you have your Bibles, let's open them and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. This is the last message in this series we have entitled, The Gospel, It's Even More Than You Hoped. Now, if you recall, uh, we began the series, I showed a video, and uh, it was me walking around downtown Franklin with the mic. Do you remember this? Anybody remember this? And I took the mic and I, I walked the streets of downtown Franklin. And asked a really simple question to total strangers, which was hard for me. I said, "What is the gospel?" And then they answered. Remember that? And and it was very uh, it was very encouraging, very uh, helpful for me. Clarifying it, it reminded me that that when we speak of the gospel, uh, there is a good deal of clarity. And you know what? There's a good deal of confusion, isn't there? Which is why, in part, we've been in this series. Um, We're going to end in a similar way, so I'll just prepare you beforehand. I'm going to end the same way we began. But instead of walking the streets of downtown Franklin, I am going to walk the aisles of Fellowship Franklin. And I'm just going to ask a really simple question. What is the gospel? And I'll let us answer. And in that way, we all join the message. And here's my hope is that we will be, uh, we'll be encouraged by that, but we'll also be reminded uh, that there's nothing that matters more than clarity around the gospel. Now, Why five weeks in one paragraph? Let me remind us. It's right here that Paul says in the clearest of terms what the gospel is. And he also reminds us it's of first importance. I want to take us back to that. Now, it's first, of first importance, not in, just in the sense of here's the first thing before you do the other three things. No, it's of first importance. It's the most important thing at all times and in every place in your life. Now I say that aware and I want you to know I'm not diminishing the issues that face us in this room. Listen, there is within this room uh, plenty of hurt and pain and hardship. You've got issues in your life that are important, that matter, all of those things and good things, all the above. What I'm saying and what Paul is saying is that it's the gospel that matters most because it's our relationship with God through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ by which we stand, by which we move through, and then you've got some things in your mind right now that are coming up like this is right. It's in Christ, in the gospel, that we move through those things, that we stand in those things with a certain measure and a solid measure of hope. Now, this last message, we're actually going to focus upon the last three verses in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. And we land on what is perhaps the Achilles heel of the church today. Now, what do I mean? By that, 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 that weak point, you know, the weakest link in, in the chain of who we are and what we are as the body of Christ. Now, I'm gonna get to that with a couple questions to help us get, get our arms around that. Uh, I'm gonna ask you a question, actually ask, ask you to raise your hands on this first one. You know, if I were to ask you, um, if I were to ask you why you're on the planet, and I said, give me, give me at least three reasons why God keeps Christians still on the planet. You know, in other words, you've come to faith and, and, and you haven't died and gone to glory, but you're, st- you're still alive, you're here. And I said, give me three reasons why God has you still on the planet. How many of us, and I know this is a very leading question, but how many of us would, would agree that evangelism that telling others about Jesus, the gospel, w- would be in the, one of the top three reasons why I'm still on the planet. I really do want you to raise your hand. if you, you, You'd agree with that. And I, see, I think most of us would, I know the ones that put, didn't raise your hand, you never do what I ask you to do anyway, so you're not gonna, you're just gonna go, I don't wanna, but, but you know, we'd go, yes, that, that's a reason. Now, I'm gonna ask you a couple more questions, but I'm gonna ask you to do this. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Okay, if the gospel is, is, is of, one of the top three reasons why we're on the planet. How many of us have led someone to faith in Christ in the last year? Just don't raise your hand, but how many of you, if that really matters, and why we're, it's why we're here, how many of us have led someone to faith in Christ in the last year? How about, what if I said in the last five years? What if I, what if I said, how many of you have led someone to faith in Christ in the last 10 years? Or, or if I even said this, You know, other than if you're a parent, other than leading your child to faith, how many of us have have led someone to faith in Christ since we ourselves came to faith in Christ? Now I'm going back, I don't know, 50 years, 40 years, 30 years that you could go back. Now, when I asked that question, I asked it myself, my, my, my posture goes like this. Oh my gosh, don't ask anymore. You know, you just, it's kind of like, how's your prayer life? Oh my gosh, don't ask. We, we tend to go there with sharing our faith or speaking the gospel. And I think it, it's, a, it's because of a, a misunderstanding, a lack of clarity around the core motivation for even speaking the gospel, and that when we miss what Paul describes, and I'm telling you, the New Testament describes, it'll be, it'll be implicit in our text today. It's explicit in other places. When we miss that, I think we actually give up, we forfeit one of our great privileges. It doesn't feel like a privilege to a lot of people, but one of our great privileges and one of the great joys of the Christian life, why we're on the planet. I think some of us have missed that core motivation. So, before studying these three verses, I want you to know we're not going to get this, and we never do, apart from the Spirit of Christ. I'm going to ask you to pray with me one more time that God would do what only He can do in these moments. Father, as we look at this text today, we pray that by Your Spirit, You would do what only You can do, That you would open our eyes to what's true and you would change our hearts in this very moment to live it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. With your Bibles open, 1 Corinthians 15, let me grab where Carthy left off verses 9 through 11. Follow along in your Bibles as Paul writes, and he says, For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Uh, In December of 1978, uh, I had just finished my freshman quarter. This was when the quarter system was on at UT Knoxville. I finished my freshman quarter at the University of Tennessee, and I found myself in Atlanta, Georgia, with about 2,000 other college students in a ballroom at a hotel down there. It was, uh, it was a thing called a Christmas conference, and I've mentioned this before. It's with Campus Crusade for Christ, or crew now, and this is going to bring back some memories for some of you, my, some of peers out here. But I'm down there with 2,000 other college students, and they are just lit up. I'm telling you, lit up for Jesus. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And it was all new to me. I mean, I felt like a fish out of water. Now the reason I felt that way, I got to go back 18 months. I got to go, go back into my senior year in high school. So back in my senior year in high school, you see, I couldn't have I couldn't have told I couldn't have said to you what a Christian is. I didn't know because I wasn't one. And I've said this before, but it's so appropriate where we are in this series in this in in the context. I am um, I'm sitting in my bedroom in Clarksville, Tennessee, and and I'm reading a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. It's just a little booklet of principles of of how to come to faith in Christ. My brother had come to faith because he had gone to Middle Tennessee State University and someone had shared this with him. He became a Christian. Well, I had not, and he had said these things to me, but nothing was clicking in my mind and heart. But this day, I'm in my bedroom by myself, literally, pull out The Four Spiritual Laws, and it begins this way, and some of you remember this, it begins this way. Just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe... So there are spiritual laws that govern your relationship with God. Now that made sense to me. There's physical laws. Now there's spiritual laws that govern a relationship with, with God. And then he gives these four laws or four principles. The first one is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then these Bible verses that tell us God, we're made to be in relationship with, with God. Okay. Second law says, though, but man's sin separates him from God. The wages of sin is death. they got these Bible verses with us, so we're separated from God by our sin. And then the third law says Jesus is God's only provision for man's sin. Think about what we've been studying. He died in our place. He paid the penalty for our sins. That was law three. And then law four, the fourth principle says it's not enough to know all this that you must individually, personally receive or trust that Jesus did it for you. And I'm telling you guys in that moment, I'm sitting in that bedroom. I believed it. I can't tell you why other than the grace of God. In that moment, I believed it. I prayed a prayer. I said, Lord, I believe these things. But the prayer was an expression of my heart. I was trusting that Jesus, what Jesus did, Jesus did for me. And in that moment, I became a Christian. Now, Like nothing really changed in my life outwardly per se. I I didn't see, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't go to church. I'd never been, I went in a Bible study. I didn't know anything. And so from that moment, I want you to fast forward December of 1978, standing in a room with 2,000 college kids who've known Christ for a long time. I didn't know how to read my Bible I really didn't know, I didn't know, how, how do you read this thing? What is it? I didn't know how to pray, really. I didn't know who the person of the Holy Spirit was. You see, I was a Christian, but I didn't know any of these things. And so I'm standing there, and it was like electric. A lot of these kids have been known Christ for a long time. I mean, it is exhilarating to be with that many people until they said, now Thursday, we're going to put you in a group, and you're going to go out into Atlanta. And you're going to share your faith. You're going to tell other people about Christ. And I'm telling you, from that moment on, I just locked down, sweating BBs, going, how do I get out of this? I do not want to do that at all. Well, Thursday comes. and. I'm I'm stuck, you know. I I don't know anybody other than some friends of my brother's. They put me with a group. I don't know anyone in the car. They put us in a car. We drive out somewhere in Atlanta. They throw me out of the car. They didn't throw me out of the car. They put me out, and I get out of the car. They pair me up with someone. We're handed a sheet of paper, and it's got the addresses of three streets. We're going to go up one, down one, up one, and we're going to knock on the doors, and we're going to share our faith. Now, I want you to know, I do not remember... Did we talk to anyone? Did I open the b- little book that I? T- I have no recollection. Here is the only recollection I have: the immense relief when it was over. <laughs> we got in that car and we drove back to the hotel. I was on cloud nine driving back to the hotel, and I made a silent vow. And I didn't say this to anybody in the car because they seemed so fired up and excited about it. I didn't say this to them, but I made a silent vow to myself: if there is any way, I can be a good Christian. And not have to do that ever again. I'm going to do it. And, and we kind of giggle at it. But can I tell you this? This is very truthful. I've, I've spent the best, better part of the last 37 years trying to excel in other areas of the Christian life. Because that one stinks so bad for me. And I just don't like it. It's just like, not, does that make that? I've done that. Now, I know that it's not the same experience for everyone because, you know, some of you are sitting in here going, that was amazing for me. I led someone to Christ when I did that, and that's great. You know, for me, my temperament, my personality, I'm just telling you, going about it that way kind of put a made it very difficult for me, and and, and I'm still, as, as you can tell, I'm still recovering from that. Now, uh, last week I was... It's telling the story in uh, the Brentwood congregation, and uh, a friend of mine, Melissa McCall, who was at UT with me at the time, she said, what year was that, Lord? I said, it was 78, was, it was then January of 79, but December of 78. She goes, oh my gosh, I was there the next year. And when they did that, I hid in my hotel room that whole day, and I came to faith in Christ. How about that? How does God use all of those things? She came to faith because she stayed in her hotel room and, you know, the Lord brought her to faith. Now, some of you uh, may be saying, wait a minute, you're a pastor. (laughs) You ought to be leading us in these things, man. This is your job, you know, whatever. Well, I'm not, you know. I'm one of those who struggle to share my, I do struggle to share my faith. It's the truth. It's, I'm scared just like you are, I'm nervous about it. I often think people are gonna go, well, you're a pastor, you're supposed to tell me this. I'm afraid to make people feel uncomfortable. I'm afraid people are gonna ask me a question, honestly, that I can't answer. You know, I don't remember all this stuff, you know? Uh, it, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated uh, in that way. You know, I'm one of those people that when you fly, and I don't fly that much, but can I tell you, when I fly, I'm not one of those people that's going, Man, I can't wait to sit to somebody and talk to them about Christ. You know, I'm sitting there going, I take my Bose headphones, noise reduction, and it's just, I'm going, this is going to be my quiet. I'm going to just have some peace, you know, traveling. Well, then you might say, well, what is that? how can you exhort us to share our faith? <laughs> you know, when, when, if you're that way, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to exhort us to pay attention to this text and where we've been, everything we've been learning about the gospel itself, you see. And I think, and I'm just with you, when we pay attention to that, listen, the proclamation of the gospel becomes something, not not that we have to do, should do, got to do that, a good Christian does that, it becomes who we are. And it just overflows because of who we are and who Christ is in us. So look again, verses nine through 11. I want you to notice, I've got this underlined in my own Bible. I've circled these words that Paul goes from prosecutor to preacher. Do you see that? In just those three verses, he starts as a prosecutor. He goes to preacher. He starts as one who's destroying the church to one who's preaching the gospel and people are coming to faith in the church. So he goes from destroying to building the church. What happened? What happened in there? I want you to look at these three verses like this. Look at it uh, as a sandwich. Everybody look up at me. Look at these verses as a sandwich. Just get this in your head. There's verse 9, the top slice of bread. Prosecutor. There's verse 11, the bottom slice. Uh, preacher. And then there's the meat in between. Put whatever you want to put in there, put it in there. Hamburger, you know, pus- whatever. Turkey, you know, there you go. It's going to go in there. But that's the, the sandwich, verse, uh, verse 10, right in the middle. When I say the word preach. Preacher, it says we preach. I want you to know that he's not talking about his um, his office or role, so to speak. I'm a preacher, like what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching. Because I'm teaching, preaching. He's not saying that that that's that office or role. That word, preach. We preach. That word literally means we proclaim. Okay, what's our mission as a church? Proclaim Christ. See, it's just proclaim. It's to herald. It's to, it's to make publicly known, you know, it's the, it, that's what it means. So in that way that we preach, and we could go to other passages to affirm this, is for all of us, we proclaim the gospel. Now, sidebar, uh, you know, most of us, many, familiar with Francis of Assisi and that famous quote of his, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, what? Use words, okay. Now, let me say two things about this. Number one, he never said that. Okay. Francis of Assisi never said that. As best we can tell, there's no documentation that he said that. Number two, the Bible never says that. I'm just, it never says that. What, what does preach mean? To proclaim, to herald, you see. There is no mute gospel. Now, here's, hear me on this, because I'm not throwing Francis under the bus at all, or this, the statement, I just want us to have it in context, because it's, a pro, it's very appropriate to say, you know, your, your life should match your words, okay? That's the, that's the truth, that, and that, that helps our witness, right? So I, I get that, but I think that many of us get held hostage by that, and it's almost like we're never going to open our mouth, because you know, my life's never going to match the words. Well, if you never open your mouth till your life matches it, When are you going to speak? Truly, I mean this. You would never speak, y'all. The power, hear me on this, is not your life. It's the gospel spoken. Let's not be held captive by that. I was talking to Ned after the service last time, and he made the comment I thought it was a really good one. He says, you know, if, and again, there's there's live your life appropriately in the gospel. I don't hear me, I'm not saying don't do that. But if if we just think we're gonna live our life and we're gonna live the gospel and the people come, then then you know what the tendency can be? People begin to look at it and go, oh, the way you become a Christian is by living the life. But you don't become a Christian that way. We, we, we come to faith because we hear the word and the powers in the word, and God opens our eyes. Eyes and our heart. More about that in a moment. Okay, three things Paul that says about himself in verse nine. I am least, I am not fit, I persecuted. What what does he mean? I am least. It literally means he says, I'm insignificant, Uh, I'm not important. He goes, I'm not fit. What he means by that is I'm not able. I'm not even capable of of this. Then he says, I persecuted, which is as we know, he literally harassed, systematically killed Christians. And attack the church. How did he go from that to we preach and people believe? Verse 10. Here's the the meat of the sandwich. Okay, look at it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God, was with me. When we do Bible study methods, you study your Bible, uh, one of the first things we look for is repetition. What's repeated in that one verse? Great. Do you see that? Grace, grace, grace. Uh, many definitions. I like the way it's said here Spiros uh, Zodiades. I'm not sure how to pronounce, it. I'm never sure how to pronounce his last name, but an excellent Greek scholar. Listen to this definition grace, the absolutely free expression of. Of the loving kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. I, I love the fullness of that. It's the absolutely free express it's the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men. And the only motive, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. Why is God so good? to to men who aren't necessarily good. It's just out of his own bounty and abundance of grace and love. It's the unearned, you know, you hear this phrase often, unearned favor, unearned good, unmerited good. This is grace. It's God's irrational, unstoppable good to rational, resistant people. I use the word rational for this reason, because we tend to want to rationalize grace. You can't make sense of it. It doesn't fit in the rational category per se. Uh, you can only receive it. <laughs> you, just, you just take it. You accept grace, you see. You can't study it. You ever think, I, I just want to be an expert in grace. I'm going to study it. You can't study it. You simply receive it. And when we do, we're changed by it. Men and women, Paul was changed by grace, he was changed from, you know what? I, I'm, I am least to, oh my, I'm, I'm who God made me to be. I'm unfit to, I'm made to do what God made me to do. From persecuting to preaching the gospel in the same way with us, see? We are changed, gang, by grace. We're changed from, you know, I'm least, I'm not important to, I am made in the image of God. From I'm unable, I can't, I can't do, to I can do what God made me to do. We're made, changed from, from enemies of God, quite frankly, if you, you don't know Christ, you're an enemy of the cross. You see, there's no neutrality. You go from an enemy of the cross to a soldier of the cross, such that it would do anything to expand our King's kingdom. By the very grace we receive, we do that. See, we're changed. Grace upon grace. Upon grace. Grace changes us in ways that obedience, willpower, law, good works, those things can't change the heart. Only grace. So, how does Paul go from persecutor to preacher? The grace of God. Now, where is the epicenter of grace in the Bible? The gospel. <laughs> the epicenter. This is where it all begins. There's ripples that go out, but it all is sourced in the gospel. So Paul was changed by grace. Let's get more specific. He was changed by the gospel. By the, Michael said it, the words and works of Jesus on his behalf, it changed him. Yes, at a moment in time, right, Damascus Road? See, there's a moment we're changed by grace when we believe the gospel, but go, you know, now we're you know, some 14, 15 years later, and he's still undone by it. He cannot get over the love of God to him in Christ Jesus. And you see, when he couldn't get over it, being undone, you see, by the goodness and love of God. You understand, at that point, it wasn't, okay, I've got to tell people about Jesus. It just bubbled out of him. And it's the same for us. Do you know why we did this message last? I want you to think about this. What have we been talking about for the last four weeks? We've been talking about the Gospels more than you hope. We, we've been talking, we've, in a sense, what have we said often? We said, you've got to preach the Gospel to yourself. We need to, and that's absolutely appropriate. You see, and it's from that. It's, it's from our awareness, our mindfulness of, this is way more than I thought. Jesus is way more than I could imagine. The Gospel is everything to me. And it begins to fill up. And you know what happens? As it begins to fill up, it begins to just leak out. And it just comes off our tongue because it's in our hearts. Now, it's implied, you see, here. Uh, Lloyd, where where might that be explicit? Let me show you where it's explicit. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, Paul prays an amazing prayer. I want you to listen to the content of his prayer in Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Now, if we didn't know where this was going, think about what's on Paul's heart and mind as he plants the, 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 the church. There's so much to be done. I mean, you guys need to be sharing your faith. You guys need to go make disciples of all nations like Jesus said. We've got to do this to take care of this. He could have gone there. I pray to be strengthened to do all this, but notice where he goes. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. What is the immeasurableness, you see, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. As important as evangelism is, discipleship, you know, social justice, all the things that truly, truly matter. Paul grounds the Christian life, and can I say this, evangelism, speaking the gospel, he grounds it not in what we do for God, but in what God has done for us. And when we are undone by all that god has done for us in christ you see in that undoing oh all that god has done for us begins to flow out of us to others does that make sense see it's rooted core motivation the love of god not mine for him mind you okay but his for me is my deepest motivation in all of life and most certainly in the proclaiming of the gospel now, let me make a clar- clarifying statement. I asked earlier, you know, have you led someone to faith in Christ? And I, I asked it that way because I want to make a distinction here. Um, because when we don't make this distinction, I think we take on a burden we were never meant to carry at all. When I said that, I want to be, you know, we can slice the onion too thin, I know, on this. But, you know, we we don't technically lead anyone to faith in Christ, if I could say it like that. Um, that's not evangelism or, or proclaiming the gospel, even as he says here. Only God can open someone's eyes that are blind. And we're all born blind. Only God can put life in a dead heart. See, you can't do that. I mean, you try all you want. You argue all you want. Reason all you want. Only God Can convert the soul. But God has so wired it that He's tied that conversion with our proclamation, such that our role is to speak the gospel. And God opens the eyes. And, and gives life to the heart. Does that make sense? See, you, you can't make someone come to Christ. You can't argue them into faith. You can't woo them into faith. You can't, per se. Now, it matters how we say things. But, uh, but only God can do that. And so you see, our responsibility and privilege, all is just to say it. And honestly, with, with all due respect, and yes, we need to be winsome and all those things, But I'm afraid sometimes we put too much frosting on it. And we don't have to. I'm just telling you, there's not time for that. But really, it's... Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And He appeared to Cephas. And then He appeared to the twelve. You, you see that? That's the gospel. And the power's in the gospel itself. Not in... I don't know. You know I'm, I'm being silly here. But not in all the stuff we can kind of adorn it with. We need not adorn it. We proclaim... God converts. Okay, let me walk. these. Let me get to this. Walk in these aisles and ask this question. And you, join, you actually join the message as, as we do this. And I'm just going to ask a really simple question. What is the gospel? See, and we, we, we answer that. Now, if, if you're like me, some of you haven't heard a word I've said. Because when I said I'm gonna come out here and ask randomly, you just got stuck. You know, it's like me at that, at that conference. I'm telling you, you know, you just get stuck. You think he, he could, and then you don't hear anything I said. You, you, you know, because you're if like me again, you're afraid of me asking. Let me tell you this I'm not gonna put anyone on the spot. I will not put anyone on the spot. In fact, the microphone's not even on. <laughs> you're not gonna ask us a question? No. Why'd you do that? Because I wanted you actually thinking about. I want you thinking about this in a different way. Because I want you to think about this. What if I had walked out here and I've got the microphone and I, and I just said, I I just want a few of you to tell everyone else about something really good in your life. That's all. I mean, it's what kids do on Facebook, adults too, right? Snapchat, you're just sending out stuff that no one really cares about, quite frankly, but it's good for you, you know, and you're telling everybody. But, but if I came out and I just said, hey, just, I just want you to, it could be anything. It's just good. You just want to say a good in your life. Something that, you know, this is what, it just, it just got you tickled. Just, it's just got you tickled and you're just going to say it. One way to think about this, I know it, this is not everyone is not in this category. You know, I'm I'm 55. I got kids at home. I'm I'm still wearing it out on the parenting side. But a lot of my peers, you know what? They have grandkids. Now, what if I came out and I just said, "Tell us about your grandkid." Now, if John Mays was here, he'd grab the mic. I mean, I don't know how many times I can look at Avery. Right? If you know John, I mean, she hadn't changed in two hours, John. I don't need to see her again. But here's the thing. Think about, the, think about a grandkid in this way. Think about a grandkid as this. Just, it's just a grace. What's a grace? A gift. What, what does anybody do to deserve that wonderful child? Nothing. Just God gave that. You see, when, it's, when, when, you, when that grace is in your life, you see, you just want to say, can I tell you, can, when the gospel it's more than we hoped. Let me say it another way. When the gospel is gooder than good, that's terrible English, it's decent theology, when it's just so good, it's just, it's, it's just as good, then we'll tell. No one's bending my arm. I gotta go, we're going to go to our faith today. No, we just, we just tell it. We just say it. Now we will end this way. Let's end with a song. You can fold your Bible up, put it to the side. Let me ask you to stand. Ask the worship team to come out. We'll end this way, and we, we, we often sometimes do not a lot of times, but we will because we want to we want to we want to end with a song uh, in, in in this way. Sometimes it's it's in the singing of the words that the words actually get down to our heart. It's a different place that the wor- that song goes. And I want to encourage us in these moments to sing of the immeasurable love of God. And as we're singing of it, I want us to be mindful, that's his love for me in Christ Jesus. And let that grace change us even in this moment. Let's lift our voices and sing.